Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. Thank you for joining me today. We've had a couple of wild days of fantasy signings and trades that we want to break down here, including two of the best receivers in the game getting dealt within a span of a couple of days. We are probably never going to see that again in our lifetime. And we also get to welcome back Le'Veon Bell to the fantasy world after his year off. We'll talk about what his signing with the Jets means for his fantasy value going forward. There's also a flurry of other deals to go over, including a couple players that I really liked heading into free agency, some of whom I think found the perfect landing spots. I'll let you know which ones. But first, make sure you're checking out the NFL Fantasy News River and the Score app. I've been pumping out all kinds of reaction posts over the last few days. Plus, there's the Fantasy Free Agent Index in there. That helps you keep up with where players are signing, where they're going to be playing in 2019, and which skill position players are still left on the market. And as always, you can find me on Twitter, at Justin Boone. Love getting all your questions and talking fantasy with everyone on there. All right, let's get right to it here. We have to start with the most shocking move of the week. I mean, the week isn't over yet, but it's hard to imagine any team doing something more stunning than trading Odell Beckham. As soon as that news came down on Thursday night, I wrote an article assessing the fantasy value of every player from the Browns and the Giants offenses, where they stand after this move. So make sure you check that out. But from the Browns side, Beckham gets a nice boost. He gets to escape Eli Manning in favor of playing with a rising star in Baker Mayfield. And that can't be understated. Mayfield is immediately the best quarterback that Beckham has played with. And The fact that OBJ has continued to produce during Eli's decline phase is just a testament to how good he is. The only thing that's really held Beckham back in the last couple years has been injuries, but his production never suffered during that time. He remained a top eight fantasy receiver in points per game, and he finished as the wide receiver 16 despite missing four games at the end of the 2018 season before that injury. He was on pace for 103 receptions, over 1,400 yards, and eight touchdowns. That's right in line with his stats from his first three years when he was healthy. Even if his target share takes a bit of a drop in Cleveland, I don't know that it will, but he saw a 28% target share in New York. Even if that falls a bit, I think he's going to make up for it with the efficiency of playing with a better quarterback. So I'm going to be moving Beckham back into my top three in my rankings when I do my next update. And I think he has a chance to finish as potentially the number one overall fantasy receiver, which is right where he should be. Some of the other winners from this deal on the Brown side, Baker Mayfield, he was a top 10 fantasy quarterback in the second half of his rookie season. That was once Freddie Kitchens got his hands on the offense. Now Mayfield's going to be locked in as a top seven fantasy quarterback in my rankings, maybe even higher once I finish all my projections. As I mentioned in that recent article, the only concern I have is that the hype over the Browns, I think it's going to get crazy between now and the season. I think that's going to cause Mayfield's ADP to wind up a little bit higher than I'm probably willing to pay for him, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there in the coming months. Nick Chubb is another winner for sure. I know some people were mad that I didn't include Kareem Hunt in the article. Chubb's the starter. Hunt is the backup, and he's a backup that is likely to miss six, eight, 10 games due to suspension, so we're going to focus on the starter, and that's Chubb. 
I think this helps him. It's going to draw attention away from that line of scrimmage, pull defenders out of the box. Now, Chubb saw eight or more defenders in the box at the fourth highest rate in the NFL last season. That's according to NFL.com's next-gen stats. And it's not a a one-for-one comparison, but Saquon Barkley playing with Beckham was down around 23% there. So either way, that number is going to fall for Chubb with Beckham around. It's great news for Chubb's RB1 chances. The rest of the Browns offense is probably going to benefit from more scoring opportunities, but I think their targets are going to be uh, affected or at least capped off a little bit by Beckham's arrival. Antonio Callaway, he was a guy I mentioned as a sleeper candidate. I think he even had a chance at maybe breaking out in this offense. That is definitely not happening now that Beckham's around. David Njoku should still be fine, but this caps his upside. I still see him as a top eight fantasy tight end in 2018. I think he's just an incredible athlete. I think he has a lot of room to grow, and I think he can score touchdowns, and I think this offense is going to score a lot. I think Njoku could put up a decent touchdown total to help his fantasy numbers. Oddly enough, the biggest loser on the Brown side is is Jarvis Landry, and and he's good friends with Beckham going back to their days playing together in college at LSU, but Landry saw 26% target share last year. There is no way that's happening with Beckham in town. Even with that volume last season, Landry still posted some of the worst numbers of his career, including a 54% catch rate. It turns out things get a little bit harder when you're not just catching dump-offs from Ryan Tannehill in Miami. I can see why fantasy owners might be deceived a little bit by Landry's fantasy stats from 2018, though. He finished as a wide receiver, too, when you're looking at his year-long numbers. But in the second half of the year, when that Browns offense really started to take shape, those numbers fell into really the fringe wide receiver three range. I think that's more of where he's going to end up this year as a wide receiver for somebody who doesn't have a lot of touchdown upside. I mean, that one year that he scored nine touchdowns in Miami, I think that was an aberration. I think it was very fluky. I expect, though, that his name value and just that general excitement around the Browns is going to get Landry drafted much higher than he should be in fantasy, so I'm staying away. On the Giants' side, there's a few clear winners. Sterling Shepard, he had an 18% target share last year. That's definitely going to be on the rise. He's the new number one in New York, and he's still going to have to deal with Manning. That's true. But he's coming off a career year as it is, 66 catches, 872 yards. He has wide receiver three upside, and he's only 26 years old. I also love this for Evan Ingram. I've written about it before, but when Beckham's been out of the lineup, Ingram has thrived over the last two years. He had 75 yards or more in four straight games late in the season when OBJ was sidelined. Something that he didn't accomplish once when that duo played together earlier in the season. They played together seven games. He didn't crack the 75-yard mark in any of those. And you'll remember, in his rookie season, Ingram was the tight end for it. Normally, rookies don't do that much in fantasy, but Beckham was out of the lineup most of that year, and Ingram finished as the number four overall tight end. So he's going to see a big bump in my next rankings update, probably into the top five or six, maybe even higher. Maybe he will crack that top four again. I don't see Saquon Barkley's value changing much. He's still going to get massive volume. He's going to be the focal point of that offense. And he will get more attention around the line of scrimmage, sort of the opposite of what I talked about with Chubb. But they've also made some strides on offense in that offensive line, especially over the last two years, adding some pieces. So I think Barkley's going to be fine. I would still take him number one overall in fantasy drafts. Eli Manning was done in fantasy before this trade happened. This definitely settles it. Corey Coleman's a name that's going to be thrown around as the next man up in that receiving core, but 
I'm not buying it. I don't think you should either. We've seen what Coleman is. It is not a productive fantasy receiver. The other big news from Thursday night was Le'Veon Bell finally finding a new team, settling on a four-year contract with the Jets. And I say settling because he didn't get the big raise he was expecting. In fact, he actually lost money by sitting out that year. But that doesn't matter to us. We're not focused on the money. We're focused on the fantasy ramifications of him joining the Jets. And well, I do think he's going to have some rust to knock off. I think his efficiency is going to be affected by not playing in that running back friendly Steelers offense. I do think this is a decent landing spot for him, and he's going to have very little competition for touches in New York. That's assuming that Adam Gase doesn't give him the Kenyon Drake treatment, but we don't expect that to happen. Plus, I believe in Sam Darnold. I, I think he's going to develop. I really like the acquisition of Coleccio Semele to help the interior of that offensive line. I really see Bell as a low-end RB1 now, though. I think some people are talking about him as coming back and being the elite player that he was before. I think signing in New York gives him a chance to do that because of the volume that he's going to get, but I really see him more as a low-end RB1. I think we got to adjust those expectations a little bit. Before I get into the Antonio Brown and Deshaun Jackson trades, Let's quickly just go through some of the notable signings from this legal tampering window the last couple days. John Brown. Now, Antonio Brown didn't want to go to Buffalo, but John Brown wasn't scared. He signed on with the Bills, a three-year deal, $27 million. It's a great signing for Buffalo, both in terms of money and the fit. They, they seem to be following that blueprint that was laid out by the Rams and the Bears. They went out and upgraded their receiving cores around their sophomore quarterbacks, It's basically what the Browns just did by picking up OBJ, even though Beckham is probably the best upgrade that you could possibly get out there. Focus on our Brown and the Bills. I like his skill set as a lightning quick field stretcher. That meshes well with Josh Allen and his ridiculous arm. And we talk about Josh Allen's arm. It's the strength that we're referring to, not necessarily accuracy. It's more the effortlessness that he throws that deep ball with. That doesn't mean that he is accurate, though. In fact, quite the opposite. He had one of the worst accuracy rates on deep balls last year, but he also led the league in average depth of target, throwing a league leading 28% of his passes 15 yards or more downfield. Hat tip to Roto World's Rich Rebar for that one. We're going to have to have Rich on the podcast at some point soon. So all of those deep passes pairs well with Brown, who really was on the verge of a breakout last season before the Ravens made that switch to Lamar Jackson at quarterback. Prior to that, in the first seven games, Brown was on pace for over 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns, and he was a top 16 fantasy-wide receiver in all formats during that stretch. Brown's finally healthy, and I think he's better than people realize. He's going to be a sneaky selection in fantasy drafts, and to be honest, him landing with the Bills might actually help keep his price down in fantasy, which is great news. I do think that this is bad news for another one of my early favorites for 2019. That was Robert Foster. We saw Foster come on in a big way late in the season, 300-yard games down the stretch. I think Brown overtakes him as the Bills' top target now, so we're going to need to see a significant uptick in pass attempts from Allen if he's going to be able to support multiple fantasy receivers. I'm not sure that's in the cards here, but Brown and Foster will get a nice bump in best ball formats. You know, that's where you're going to get all their splash games and not have to make those decisions on whether they should be in your lineup on a weekly basis. The Bills also signed Cole Beasley. I have him in that group of uh, slot receivers that I just tend to avoid in fantasy. And there was a couple in free agency. Adam Humphreys went to the Titans, uh, Jamison Crowder to the Jets. I don't see the touchdown upside for those guys. 
I don't see them getting the kind of volume even that they would require in order to be trusted fantasy starters. I want higher ceilings from my receivers. Speaking of higher ceilings from receivers, Devin Funch has signed with the Colts, a one-year prove-it deal. They spent a surprising $13 million to get him, but don't get caught up in the money. That's the price for a one-year deal, a 24-year-old receiver. He's had some success already in his young career. I couldn't be happier about this one, though. Basically, the perfect marriage for Funches. Indy's been in desperate need of another receiver to pair with T.Y. Hilton. Last year, we saw tight end Eric Ebron essentially play that role in the offense. Funches now has an opportunity to become one of Andrew Luck's favorite targets, giving him a, a really another big-bodied red zone threat and one in the receiving core. It's a problem for Ebron's fantasy value. Definitely hurts him. Funches is someone who's underrated. I, I talked about him about a month ago. I did a post of receivers who could see their values rise in free agency, and I think that happened with this landing spot. He's not a number one receiver, which is what he was cast as for stretches in Carolina, but he had 840 receiving yards, eight touchdowns in 2017. He was on pace for 997 yards, another eight scores for the first seven weeks last season, and then the Panthers seemed to decide that they weren't going to bring him back in free agency, so they just reduced his playing time the rest of the season in favor of some of their younger players there, and Funch has kind of disappeared, and now probably out of the minds of most fantasy owners. Now we see this news in Indy, playing with Andrew Luck. It's exactly what he needed both in real life and for his fantasy value. Depending how much of Ebron's red zone work he can steal, we could be talking about Funches as a wide receiver three, maybe even a low-end wide receiver two if everything falls his way. And remember, last year, I was talking about Eric Ebron as a guy who could step up and be a top five tight end. That came to fruition. This year, I'm going to be looking at Funches to be someone who becomes really a new weapon in that indie offense and somebody that fantasy owners are going to be able to use on a weekly basis. I also really like New Orleans as a landing spot for Latavius Murray. He signed a four-year deal there. He's going to take over that Mark Ingram role, but he's a much better athlete than Ingram. I'm not necessarily saying that he's a better running back, but he's for sure a better athlete. And don't forget, Ingram was extremely productive, even alongside Alvin Kamara. He was a top 10 back two years ago. Then he managed top 20 numbers over the final 12 games of the 2018 season. And that was after he came back from suspension. That's why he missed that first month. So I think that Murray is capable of emulating those kind of numbers. I like him. I like him as an underrated fantasy option, somebody that you can target if you're going zero RB. The Saints also got Teddy Bridgewater to stick around. Not the most fantasy relevant signing, but if Drew Brees does get hurt at some point, we are going to be all over Bridgewater on the waiver wire. Saints have an excellent supporting cast, one of the best offensive lines in the league, just a smart move by Teddy to position himself as the eventual successor to Brees. In Jacksonville, Nick Foles gets to be the successor to Blake Bortles, which is a pretty easy act to follow. Foles is almost guaranteed to be overrated by fantasy owners, though, and that's because of his success in Philly. He was the backup, but he stepped in in these high-leverage situations, had success in the playoffs, and that's going to overrate him in most people's eyes. So I don't really see him putting up great fantasy stats here. I think he's going to be a steady presence at quarterback, which is something they haven't had. I also think he's going to be a leader in that locker room. I do think he has maybe top 20 fantasy upside in a best case scenario, but he's not someone I'm going to be targeting. This is still a run first offense. I'm just hoping that he's going to be able to help guys like D.D. Westbrook reach their fantasy potential. Mike Davis is hoping that he's going to be able to reach his fantasy potential now that he's escaped that three-headed monster of a backfield in Seattle. 
He signs on with the Bears, though it seems to be unclear what his role is right now. Chicago, they've reportedly been shopping Jordan Howard around in potential trades. There's been a lot of reports about that. So we could see Davis scoop up some of his work if Howard ends up getting moved. But I think the Bears are probably going to go out and sign someone else. I can't see them going into the year with Mike Davis, Tariq Cohen, and Cordero Patterson, who they also signed in free agency as their main running back trio. Seems like there's still someone yet to come in that backfield. But looking back at the success they had late in the year, Howard was a top 20 fantasy back and he was sharing the load with Cohen at that point. Davis could conceivably do a pretty good Howard impression if he was called upon to do so. Not like Howard is an exceptional talent or anything, that's for sure. So for now, Davis is a sleeper, someone to keep on your radar until we find out how that Bears backfield shakes out. Let's wrap things up by discussing those two other big receiver trades that went down over the last couple days here. I mentioned off the top, but OBJ wasn't the only superstar wide receiver that got sent packing. Antonio Brown gets his wish. He's moved off to a new team, turns out to be the Raiders in the end. I don't think it really hurts his value that much. I think the negativity surrounding him right now stems from his bizarre behavior over the last little while. We saw, though, once he got what he wanted, his mustache went back to the normal color, and he is ready for business. This is one of the hardest working players in the league. You don't get to that elite level without being dedicated to your craft. I think Brown is going to get all the targets he can handle in Oakland It's going to be similar to Le'Veon Bell changing teams here. I think Brown's efficiency is going to take a hit outside of Pittsburgh, but the volume that he's going to see in the Raiders uniform is going to keep his reception and his yardage numbers up. I definitely expect him to be near the league lead in targets. I suspect he's going to be right around that 100 reception mark because of that. And he's had at least 101 catches, at least 1,284 yards, and at least eight touchdowns in each of his last six seasons. I went back and took a look at John Gruden's offenses from 1998 to 2008, and Gruden's number one receiver during that time averaged 1,155 yards and eight scores. I think Brown's going to have no problem hitting those marks. I think the only area we could see him have a slight downgrade is going to be touchdowns, and I think that's just because the Raiders' scoring opportunities are not going to be as plentiful as he saw with the Steelers. I definitely don't expect Brown to lead the league in touchdowns again this year. Even last year, though, just to give you an idea of what's possible, because I know a lot of people are down on this Raiders passing game because of what happened with Amari Cooper. But over the final five games last year, Jordy Nelson, who is in full decline mode at the moment, he was playing at 122 catch and over a 1,200 yard pace during those final five games. And he was seeing almost 10 targets per game during that time. So it's a small sample size, but it gives you an idea of what Brown could do in this offense. I think Brown's going to fall to around wide receiver seven for me in my next update, but he is still one of the top options at wide out. Just to quickly touch on some of the other players affected here, Juju Smith-Schuster, he's everyone's pick to be the big winner, but I don't see Juju's value changing that much. He was already a top 10 fantasy receiver, even with Brown in the lineup. Now he's going to face more attention from opposing defenses. He'll get a slight uptick in targets, which I think will counter that, but I'm keeping Juju in the same range, and I would still take Brown over him in fantasy drafts. 
James Washington might actually be the player who is in the best position to capitalize with Brown's departure. He's likely going to face some competition. There's been rumors that the Steelers have been looking at some of the free agents like Tyrell Williams. We could even see them go into the draft and spend an early pick on a receiver. There are a lot of young, talented receiver prospects in that draft class. But I think we're going to see something from Washington this year. His role is going to grow regardless. No matter what competition they bring in, we're going to see Washington see more targets this year. And he didn't do much as a rookie, but he did finish the year with over 60 yards in two of his final three outings. If he manages to win that starting job on the outside, I think top 30, top 35 production is possible there. That's his high end upside. A player that we're going to have to watch, see how he performs throughout the offseason, and see what else they do on that roster to fill it out after Brown left. You also have to love Vance McDonald. I mean, now that Brown gets traded, Jesse James leaves in free agency, even with those guys around, McDonald was a low-end tight end one in 2018. A lot of room to grow there for sure. Ben Roethlisberger takes a hit for obvious reasons. I mean, he just lost a, a Hall of Fame receiver from his offense. Maybe he and Eli can sit down and commiserate together somewhere. Either way, I know Ben had the second most fantasy points last year behind just Patrick Mahomes, but I see him more as a QB2 now that Brown's gone. That means outside of my top 12 quarterbacks in 2019. Unless the Steelers go out and make a big move at receiver, either in free agency or in the draft. And until we know for sure that Derek Carr is going to be the Raiders quarterback, I'm not really focusing on how this impacts him. Let's get through the draft. Let's see if he's locked in as the Raiders starter at that point, and then we'll go from there. The last trade I want to go over is Deshaun Jackson finding his way back to the Eagles. He's 32 years old. He's still one of the most explosive, maybe the most explosive receiver of our generation. We saw he could still get it done early last year. He cruised to 300-yard games in the first month of the season, and that was while Ryan Fitzpatrick was under center. And that's important because Jackson, he had the second most fantasy points during that stretch, during that first month. And then Jameis Winston came back. And Jackson's problem in Tampa was always Winston's inaccuracy on those deep balls. And that got the best of Jackson again later as the season went on last year. You could check out my recent post to see some of the stats that give Jackson hope in Philly, but he is exactly the type of receiver that the Eagles needed. A speed option who can keep defenses honest and can give that offense the threat of scoring from anywhere in the field. It's something they've really been lacking Jackson is always going to be a better best ball option. We talked about that for some of the other guys earlier. Those guys that can score the deep ball options, they tend to be better in best ball just because you don't have to predict when they're going to go off. You get all the games where they perform well. So better best ball than a redraft player, but I think he has a wide receiver three ceiling in year long as well. Once again, in a perfect scenario, if everything goes his way. I really love his weak winning ability. I mean, we saw it in early 2018, and that just can't be underestimated. Having a player like that, maybe not as one of your top two receivers, but if you have three receivers that you're starting or in a flex spot, having a player like that that has that kind of upside, that helps you win games in fantasy. This is also great news for Carson Wentz, who I was already high on as a quarterback going into 2019. Now he has all his pass catching weapons in place. The Eagles just need to go out and find a running back to help round out that offense. Jason Peters is coming back at left tackle for another year. And it just, it's all setting up for Wentz, who is finally healthy to step up, get back to that MVP caliber season he was having a couple years ago before he shredded his knee. I think he could come back, put up a top five, maybe even a top three fantasy quarterback season. Love that Jackson trade for him. 
Jackson's departure is also a huge boon for Chris Godwin's fantasy value. And I've been singing Godwin's praises for the last couple years, but his splits with Jackson out of the lineup, they speak for themselves. In six games that DJax missed in Tampa over the last two years, Godwin's stat lines, three for 98, seven for 111 and one, five for 101 and one. And he had two slower games and then six for 114 and two touchdowns. So Godwin's season is finally here. It might result in him being a wide, low-end wide receiver two, maybe a high-end wide receiver three, but he is going to be right in that mix as an every-week fantasy starter in Bruce Arians' offense. That's all for today's episode. At the time I'm recording this Wednesday morning, we still have Tevin Coleman, Golden Tate, Tyrell Williams, Mark Ingram, and a ton of other quality free agents still in the market. So I'm going to be back soon to run through their landing spots and how you should approach them in this year's fantasy drafts. Until then, make sure you're checking out the NFL Fantasy News River and the Score app and following me on Twitter at Justin Boone. Big thanks to Dave Gettleman for trading Odo Beckham Jr. to the Browns and giving us so much to talk about. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening, and we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight, I said 